0: Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine what is the single greatest movie of any given year. My name is Kate and I'll be your host tonight. Uh, we're discussing 1975's night moves. Uh, our guests today are our pop filter staples, Greg. Hello, Hello Greg. <laughs> Hi, Greg.
1: I'm a staple.
0: You are a staple. Mike. Hello another staple, and Ryan.
1: It's so crazy
2: for Kate to introduce us individually because usually it's these three schmucky turds. And then also we have...
0: Yeah, this time I actually, I thought about that because I listened back to the last episode and I thought, you know what? I should thank each of these people individually. They're individuals sometimes. <laughs> They're individuals. It is weird, That's, though. It's when nice. you do it all three at <laughs> the same
2: time, we all scream yuck, yuck, and start poking each other in the eyes, so there yeah, is that. <laughs>
0: it's very true. <laughs> you guys are wearing little hats with uh, helicopter wings mm-hmm. on the top. Um, <laughs> we wish. <laughs> I know. Uh, and finally, we have Evan of the They Were Good Friends podcast. Hi, Evan. Welcome to Movie of the Year. Hi, hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, our abso- absolute absolute pleasure absolute pleasure um everyone please i'd love to know our overall opinions of this movie uh evan let's start with you uh oof
2: start with the new person first that is harsh
0: <laughs> oh that you're right that's brutal i actually i take that back ryan <laughs> you 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 come in and you save say fucking the day. do it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
2: that sound though was
1: actually a pretty
0: yeah.
2: good response. I, I, I kind of think, Kate, that's where we might all be at, and I think this is this yeah. is an awesome. This is why the being on the podcast rules because hopefully in an hour we can be a little more confident than oof. But that's where we're at right now, I think. Um, yeah. So I did. I did need to watch it twice. Uh, the first time, the movie was sur- sort of surfaced to me and clunky to me in a lot of ways that seventy five movies have been. Um, and on second viewing, like so many things do, this movie opened the hell up. And now I think it's kind of phenomenal. S- part of it on purpose, part of it not maybe. I, don't, I sort of want to go into that. But I think as a storytelling device and as sort of like a... Here's what happens when you put a bunch of angry drunk dudes in a room and tell them to make a movie. <laughs> uh, I think that's the movie sort of giving on both those levels.
0: Incredible! I the fact that you pivoted so strongly into an incredible film love, feels deep love. Yeah, that's that's. Crazy. I'm a second day kind of guy. Yeah, yes, you are. Greg, are you? Were you smitten at first glance with this movie? Probably not at first glance. Uh, there's a, a lot
1: that's sort of troubling about it, and I'm still not totally sure what the point is. Uh, a lot is is uh, placed out there. And unlike most movies, which would explain a ton of things, I feel like a lot is left not totally fleshed out. But at the very heart of the movie is just a, a kind of a weird story about a sixteen year old girl that seems to be being failed by everyone around her and hypersexualized. and then the movie kind of does that same thing, and it just uh it's just like such a weird sort of moment in the movie like the 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 middle of the movie was sort of disconnected from the rest of it in a lot of ways and Mm. trying to wrap my head around all of that is is what has been causing me a lot of confusion there's certainly a lot of artistry in it and it was it was complicated and interesting but um i was left with so many questions that i hope the show will help me resolve
0: Yes, I I feel that more than I feel Ryan's love. Um I I was a little thrown by this movie. Mike, what about you? Did you did you end up loving it or I'm are you confused? Still chewing on
3: it. I don't know if I'm confused. I will say I'm confused by my I don't know if I've ever been so into a movie that does nothing. It is the least thrilling thriller I think is one of the old like of the time critiques of it and it's a it's a back of the seat movie. At no point was I like, what's going to happen next? But the whole time I'm like, all right, we're doing some weird vibes. We're going to keep on weird vibing today. Uh, And yeah, I think there's things that are unsettling. I think there's things that are supposed to be. Uh, And at the end I went, and that was a movie I watched. All right. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm still trying to parse it out, which means I'm going to love this episode because by the end you will all tell me how I'm supposed to feel.
0: Yes, exactly. Groupthink. (laughs) Evan, I hope you have forgiven me for instinctually putting you on the spot first hopefully you've had enough time yeah <laughs> um but what about you where are you landing on the spectrum of night moves fandom
4: uh, it's there are definitely sections there are aspects of this movie that i really i loved and i thought were like really fascinating especially having to do with like the main character and his like and his struggle i'm sure we're going to talk about that later uh I I thought like that particular element of the story was like super interesting, but then it was just kind of like that part of the story that I found fascinating was like covered by other stuff that kept happening. Mm -hmm. Like I really didn't think the storyline with him and his like wife needed to be there. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it, it offers, it does offer, I think like an extra layer of like tension, and turmoil especially for the main character but looking back on it now i i think it that like like time could have been spent elsewhere i think in in the script like (laughs) yeah (laughs) there were i think there was just like too many things and ideas happening that the screen the screenplay writer was like oh man i want i want to do this and i want to put this in there and and uh, there's a lot of shit in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. Or it's like, yeah. it's like
2: the screenwriter was like, all right, I just wrote night moves one through three. And the studio was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we're only
3: making one. And he was like, shit.
0: And then jammed them all together.
3: Yeah, he's like, I got a piece <laughs> of each. Do what you will.
0: Yeah, each character feels like they have their own B plot. And it, th- there's like an interconnectivity that I find very um, overwhelming. I also had to watch it twice. And I don't know if I understand it more the second time. Mm-hmm. It felt like a completely different movie. I was focusing on different things. And and the narrative wasn't easier to find, but it was a a different one was offered, which I thought was interesting. Um, Go ahead, Mike. I was
3: gonna say, I think that's one of the positives is that you said every character has to be plot. Like this movie could have been, it could have been Night Moves starring Deli's mother. And it's just, uh, Sunset Boulevard riff or Night Moves starring J- young James Woods and it's just about what it's like to be this shitty young mechanic in Stunt Hollywood like they each do have a, a history it feels very like a lived in world and the characters often are annoyed with each other because they're like I got my own shit to do Harry I don't know what you're doing I have my movie I'm starring in what are you doing here but like uh, I like a lot of, that a lot
2: and a lot of good mysteries like this and this happens a lot on TV too is like what Mike's saying is because they all have their own lives they're all their own hero um, yeah, there's a major communication issue in this movie, and uh, that is sort of how you do mysteries and plots. But it's also how you are completely o- isolated in your life. It's how you live totally alone. And all of these people actually do. If one just stepped up and said, "I'm feeling this right now," mm-hmm. thirty minutes of the movie would have been gone if any one <laughs> character had done mm-hmm. that. But that's not how Los Angeles <laughs> works. You know, that's not how the world works. Uh, Harry straight up says it to Delly. Like, she's like, being 16 is hard. And he's like, being 40 is hard, girl. Like, this is all really <laughs> terrible. And I think that's, that's where the, like, that feel that Mike is describing comes from.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that we have a long way to go till we actually have an opinion about this movie. <laughs> but let's take a quick break. And when we're back, we're going to dive into questions of genre. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening
2: so far. Mm-hmm. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called YourPopFilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at YourPopFilter.com. While you're there, go to YourPopFilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year,
0: and that's your popfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Bye. Arthur Penn's 1975 American neo-noir film, Night Moves, tells the story of private detective and former football player Harry Mosby. Played by the inimitable Gene Hackman, Harry, the P.I., takes on what seems like a run-of-the-mill missing person case as a former Hollywood B-actress tasks Mosby to find and return her 16-year-old daughter, played by Melanie Griffith. But when Harry tracks her down to Florida, he begins to see connection between the runaway girl, the world of Hollywood stuntmen, and a suspicious mechanic when an unsolved murder comes to light. At the time of Nightmove's release, uh, Roger Ebert gave the film a full four stars and called it one of the best psychological thrillers in a long time. Taste buds, I ask you this. What sort of movie is Night Moves? Suspense, a detective movie, or visionist noir? And how it's does not Harris... a psychological?
4: Sorry. Sorry. Oh no! Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I Evan jump in. I love. <laughs> Sorry, that. I just—it's not a psychological thriller. I'll tell you that right now. No. Please, yeah. D- d- I mean,
0: you're contesting Roger Ebert. I, I... Roger Ebert. <laughs>
4: I mean, uh, watch, uh, I am. You're being I careful. do dare. I do dare to contest. <laughs>
0: Please, I, I I cannot wait to to what do you in, in your mind? What is a psychological thriller, and why is this not one of them?
4: <laughs> oh, a, I feel a psychological thriller. It has to like it has to like get in your mind more and be. It's more cerebral. Like I think
1: this feels ugh. like a psychological examination. Like it, it it's looking at what Harry Mosby is going through as a man approaching the incredibly old age of 40 ew, who's even 40 (laughs) that's disgusting (laughs) (laughs) but it so it's like it examines the psychology of that but it doesn't feel i agree that it doesn't exactly feel like a thriller it moves kind of too slowly to actually be much of a thriller it seems like things just sort of occur to him and there's like almost a glacial pace at which this narrative moves forward
4: I also think that's just like a... Isn't that like a a thing of like movies, of like old movies, just like the pace being a lot slower Mm -hmm. in general?
2: But I I think that there's a lot of stuff going on of like, this is is purposefully slow. Mm. And usually when we say that, that's like, oh, okay. So it's artsy fartsy. But this is a little bit different, I think, in that moviegoers really misunderstand what it's like to work a case. And when you're working a case, it's in a movie. Like in an episode of CSI, it's very easy to do. You know, like every clue pops up, you throw it in the computer, the computer's like, oh, here's the bad guy, then you go yeah, get him. Yeah,
3: you recognize like a uh, B actor who shows up in a lot of sitcoms, you're like, I bet it was him. <laughs> <laughs> like B actor, like Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah.
0: Yes, B actor.
3: <laughs> um,
2: and, but this is like, no, it's actually, there's a lot that's boring to it. There's a lot that like, was it going to blow up in your face? There's a lot that's going to be sad, you know, because you're a loser and like really hitting that.
1: If you're a PI, you're a loser, really hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole case hinges on something incredibly unlikely, which is that she wants to go swimming and so they take her to the very spot <laughs> where that dead that <laughs> dead body is. Like if if they don't if if they don't take her to go skinny dipping there, for some reason this like supervised skinny dipping then she never finds that body she never recognizes him and they did nothing can move forward from that that's that
3: point. i don't know a noir neo or otherwise that doesn't have that there at some point i don't know if it's always the inciting incident but at some point there's a thing where like well that's bananas like that just feels so built into the genre so that i went that i never went what i was like yeah sure that's gotta happen at some point
2: point. <laughs> plus i mean delhi said we should go swimming in the dark yeah i have to work on my Night moves,
0: yes,
3: <laughs> and then ominous music played for twenty minutes. Why did it play for so long? <laughs> it was a jam band kind of air in nineteen seventy-five. Okay,
2: I, th- I think that the ultimately the answer to your question is revisionist. I think that this movie is the long goodbye, as written by Shane Black, the guy who mm. wrote the Nice Guys, Last Boy Scout, and the Nice Guys. Yeah, uh, these movies that seem fratty, you know, but like ultimately do come down on the side of misogyny like when you mm-hmm. really look at it and it's i think with Shane Black and with the case of this movie it's a little accidental and it's a like it's a little like no this is just what the genre is like so we get a free pass right. and the other part is like well you also pushed it far and i think the revisionist yeah. part is that our main character and this i don't think this has ever been done before not in the long goodbye really not in Chinatown before this <laughs> but this guy sucks ass at his job this guy is a moron and we don't know that until the very end because we're living in Harry's world where he is the hero. Everyone is a hero of their own story, mm-hmm. but the hero at least should be the hero <laughs> of our story, right? And its he's not like – you know, he's a, he's a fairly nice guy, but he just – he cannot see – what's in front of him and unfortunately he's our eyes Mm -hmm. and so we think because of like filmic language because of we've been trained we're like well everything that harry does has to be on the right path because that's how movies work and it just isn't true Mm -hmm. and that's where the revisionist part comes in
0: yeah so how would you say harry's per would you say that's harry's personal subplot kind of changing the entire genre from something that's specifically like a a pi noir to uh, something that's commenting on those tropes yeah i mean
2: commenting in the way that like it's not as easy as we think but I, the revisionist thing the thing i really like about it is whatever you thought about this genre before here's what it actually would be like you know and these action heroes aren't perfect and uh you know the villains aren't always wearing a black hat and the good guys aren't always good you know like they're all real humans and so we just don't expect that from Harry. And that's I don't. I'm gonna. I I saw the movie twice. I do not understand the case. <laughs> I do not understand why the director was in the plane.
3: Uh, well, no, because know- you're p- bringing statues from somewhere that you have to hide them underwater, obviously, and then you 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 pull in people from you California to, to from Florida, Florida because it's it's all very clear. What you need to know about smuggling uh, statues. Yeah, it's bananas. I don't know if it's supposed to make sense. <laughs>
2: and the reason you know it's not it is, clear it's is because that director was under his nose the entire time. That's the part we're supposed to notice. As that th- because it, that guy did not fit into Harry's belief on how a case should go mm-hmm. down, then he didn't even see it. He just looked for the femme fatales, he looked to you know, to find the, the sluttiest woman or the druggiest drug dealer. Like he just he painted on Jimmy Woods immediately. And you should. That person
1: has a sleaze bag, but the director didn't fit his narrative right. so he just moved on i think it's a a 1975 40-year-old white man's young goodman brown like mm. he f- you know he finds out that everyone around him basically is involved in this conspiracy and they're all guilty and it's because it's this 1975 thing of we're adrift we don't know what's right we don't know who to believe or what to believe in he wants to believe in his traditional masculine view of the world but ultimately it leaves him like completely alone and literally going nowhere in a boat in the open water
2: he thought that because he was an athlete he could keep his wife forever (laughs) and instead she cheated on him with a guy with a cane
3: Ew! i mean like (laughs) not even another athlete
2: he thought that he was like everything that a man is supposed to be and she goes out with somebody who has a limp. But
3: but well, you mean, gotta talk to your wife. W- why? Like you just—that's a part no, of it. Never. You, <laughs> you, got, you got to like see the what's up with drool. her. I I think uh, what well, yeah. I want to push back a little, on part of what I'd say makes it the the, the neo noir is because he I think twenty five year old Harry would be uber masculine. Forty year old Harry, the way he—he's a—he's a football player. The way right? he—twenty five year old, yeah, he's still so he's like forty year old Harry is like he still has those tendencies he's still built like Gene Hackman so he's a big bull of a dude but like he doesn't go in fists to swinging when he finds out his wife's cheating he he does like i think he is even before this case he's like i've been living my life wrong he's already on the downhill i'm tired But the way of doing he's poorly. living it
1: wrong is he's over analyzing it and the whole way he approaches his wife cheating on him is totally wrong because rather than engage with it as the emotional like Sally that it is like the, the emotional move it is from his wife, he instead Night completely, move. he completely <laughs> uh, abandons that and just views it as how can I analyze this? How can I like solve this? Like it's a case,
2: but he has no idea that, I mean, that's ultimately the problem is that nothing is solvable and he thinks everything should mm-hmm. be. And that's a, that's kind of a, like a typical dude problem. But <laughs> the the other thing is that he has no idea how to be complicated. He knows that he shouldn't be complicated because he's a man and they're not, and they solve things with their fists and with booze, but he is complicated. But he's like trying to f- he doesn't know how to be. And so it just keeps blo- he just bumbles around LA like a moron.
1: I don't know how to be emo, okay? But I'm feeling stuff. <laughs> he
2: tries to get that weird permifro fro over his eye, but it just doesn't <laughs> work.
4: <laughs> See, that was that was actually my favorite part of the movie was his whole deal of like trying to be something that he he thought he should be or trying to like make something work that wasn't working and that's what I wish the movie had kind of like made more of like a big deal of, if that makes sense, or like kind of centered its whole thing around that theme.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like the movie examines that idea through the lens of the crime rather than just observing the character through the lens of his problems with his wife or his problems, like, you know, deciding what kind of man he wants to be. Yeah. But I mean, there is some stuff though, like, The wife wants him to go work at this high tech detective
2: agency, which probably means working with robots and you should you should take that job. But he's like, absolutely not. And what she's saying is you should go do you should go to the place with the budget that has the equipment that will help you solve the crimes. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I'd rather work by myself and simply
3: not solve crimes. (laughs) I want to go to to different (laughs) guys. I'm going to go from different guys I know from my past and say, hey, (laughs) that's what detective work is. Is anybody I know from 20 years ago who can help me out? (laughs) <laughs> if you're
2: not going to sit there and tell me about that interception I had that one time, then I don't want to interview you for the case.
0: <laughs> let's put a let's put a pause on this really quickly because I think we're veering into conversations around our around the women folk inside of this piece. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to discuss when it comes to that topic. So let's take a quick break, and when we're back, we're talking ladies. Hola,
3: Filterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month. Don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you can pay for ryan to draw you a picture uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh, you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music Check them
0: out. So, women don't come off super great in this movie. From the shitty mom, to her slutty daughter, to a cheating wife, to the ex-hooker, ex-stripper girlfriend, what, if anything, does Night Moves have to say about women, sex, love, and is it enough to keep your nipples erect for 30 minutes? Mike, let's throw it to you.
3: If your nipples are erect for 30 minutes, see a doctor. Or (laughs) Brad Nukakis, or whatever that kid's
0: name was. (laughs) What if it's uh, yeah, just
2: one? One nipple, but you push it down and then the other one pops up, yeah. like Bugs Bunny.
3: <laughs> then you just take a hammer. <laughs> I think it's interesting because, like, I think in gonna blend the genre talk and the gender talk if that's okay with you, host Kate. Yes, uh, please. In 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 noir noir, it was like you got the femme fatale, you got the 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 virgin and the whore, right? You're, you're mm-hmm. playing with those, and this one dares to ask, what if they're all whores? <laughs> I'm not saying I agree, but that is interesting. Uh, especially when you, what, the introduction of Deli is so, like we hear about her for so much in the movie before we meet her, and so you think it's gonna be like, in 13, Rachel, Rachel Evan Wood is very, like she does the makeup and you're like, this teenager who's trying to like seduce men by looking older, and like that's often that kind of girl, and Deli is a kid-ass kid. I was like, this is, this little girl, who, like, just needs a hug and a sandwich is who you've all been talking about disgustingly this whole movie, and also doesn't hold herself like she's trying to seduce the world. She's just, like, kicking her little legs out Is like, I'm a kid! What's going on? Or, um, I mean, like, yeah. She, I mean,
2: she she. there's some stuff where, like, she gets jealous of, is it Paula? When Paula and um, her, Harry are talking, oh, yeah. and so she's in the bathroom. She's like, well, let me use your shower. Like, you can see she gets jealous, but there's, as far as, like, being a seductress no like at one point Tom's like uh I messed up she got to me motherfucker like she did barely anything that was all, <laughs> all <laughs> you bro
3: the, 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 this is this is the best line in the whole movie is there ought to be a law and Harry very dead Ben goes there is <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yes. <laughs> oh yeah that was I was like okay I'll give you some movie get snaps from me for that
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it kind of posits Harry is a good guy is every other adult man from Guys a few years older than her to guys 30 years older than her are like, look at that sex pot. And he instantly is like, what are you all talking about? Which was a nice change. Because I do think another movie would have been like, Gene Hackman would have been like, I get it. (laughs) He
1: he treats her like a child. right? Like when she yells out in the night, he goes and he pats her back and like helps her get back to sleep. He like recognizes that she's a child. And he Mm -hmm. is not like, he's not even flustered by her, like, Saying that, that she wants to take a shower because she's just a kid, so yeah. he, it doesn't it doesn't get to him because that's the world of like what adult people are supposed to be like. But and that's especially important too because we are talking about a guy
2: who does get flustered by adult women. Like, oh yeah, yes. for sure this this guy is really only intimidated by women. Like you could you, you know you could be a thug, a heavy, a bad guy, or whatever, but when a girl walks into the room he starts stammering and he doesn't know how to stand and he he really doesn't have a way to connect with women at all. Um, and so the movie doesn't either. It, I don't know if that's on purpose or not, but if the movie is Harry, like, the movie just doesn't know like the right ways that you know they're supposed to be presented in a room. And I think that's so much because Harry just becomes a stammering idiot.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, masculinity. <laughs> but but there the, is in no- other words...
1: <laughs> D- does the movie construct a feminine ideal if anything it's like delhi in a non-corrupted state like delhi not as beset by a bunch of older men who mm. only want thing fr- one thing from her but like the wife isn't really held up as a paragon of virtue the delhi's mom is isn't it paula like the
3: worst yeah paula seems pretty dope except for the whole being part of the crimes but she's smart, she's savvy like she sees I would say the world a, realistically
2: there's a big difference in smuggling things from the Yucatan which is like that's what you just gotta do in every movie uh, to statutory rape you know those are yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as we're supposed to think of this movie and the way that both she and Harry gloss over her past where every, every woman's past in this movie will haunt them forever and every dude's past they just get to move past <laughs> I, for <laughs> Paula it's like Uh, I graduated, I was a teacher, I was a stripper, I was a hooker, now I'm here. And her and Harry don't miss a beat. They just keep rolling, you know? There's no judgment there like there is with every other woman in this movie.
4: Yeah, I think that's why... Paula was definitely my favorite character, personally. Um, I don't know, just as as soon as I saw her, like, feeding those dolphins... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Wearing that beanie, I was like... Oh my goodness. She, I laughed
0: so hard when she's like, You thought I was bald, didn't you? And he was like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
2: she's the only one that can keep up with Harry and like the quips, too.
4: Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah.
2: But I love that introduction to Paula, which sets her ethics and morals immediately of, look at how good I am with the animals. And then Harry's like, Why? Well, he's like, Oh, I sell them to rich people. They keep them in their pools. Like,
1: okay. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't also, actually those- care then. Those dolphins help solve the crime. They don't like <laughs> hang a lantern on it, but basically he like walks over and the dolphins are like, check it out, there's a dead body later. <laughs> I, See, I thought
3: they were the worst. I thought they helped kill James Woods and were trying to <laughs> eat his body, but they're slower than pigs are. Assassin <laughs> dolphins. Not since, a, they're not very since Ace
2: smart. Ventura Pet Detective have dolphins been so integral to a psychological this, thriller. that
3: reminds me a lot movie. about Ace Ventura. That's a
0: detective movie, if I've ever seen one.
1: It's crazy how uh, the the beanie becomes iconic uh, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because this beanie out beanies that her uh, <laughs> dolphin worker getup. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. How you instantly know she's a dolphin worker <laughs>
1: yeah. from, from that beanie? Well, <laughs> you're like, man, this is someone who works on the seas. You can tell yeah. by her
3: cruel cool head.
2: I just thought it was part of, like, to get to know the dolphins. She would make her head look like the dolphins look, head. I'm like you.
3: True? I'm bald and weird. <laughs> <laughs>
1: how did i the one thing i could not quite figure out throughout the course of the movie was how involved was she in all this stuff i guess we'll never ultimately know but because I, it was the whole movie i think sort of walks this knife's edge between is she a criminal or is she caught up in this conspiracy and it's got that patty hearst energy of like are you, are you guilty or are you trapped by this situation also did delhi boot her out of bed
3: Ew, I hope
1: not. Was she Tom's... Tom's You know, I honestly think that maybe she didn't have anything to do with her stepdad at all, but he realized that... I think the reason he started acting like that, because he starts acting like that suddenly, and I think it's because he realizes, oh shit, this guy's going to figure out that we killed that dude and dumped his body in the water. So I'm going to act like the thing I'm really worried about is that... I'm going to get pinned for doing something with with my stepdad. I don't think he really did because he suddenly switches gears. You have to remember how clever he is because from the time Gene Hackman shows up, he's like, shit, I committed a crime and this guy is going to want to try to like, I don't want this guy around asking questions even though he's clearly not doing a great job of it. So I'll send (laughs) him on a boat
2: in the middle of the night to where the fucking plane is. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, if you saw Jimmy Buffett fat jimmy buffett in the florida keys are you gonna assume he's a murder mastermind no you're gonna be like this guy parties and that's all right oh. but it will be
1: really easy for him to make you believe that he was creepy with his stepdaughter yeah yeah and so he goes for that that's not the first thing you want to do but i think he goes for that as a way just to, to throw him off the scent
2: crazy look at this we're learning
0: yes and i mean okay so how do we with this new interpretation that greg honestly i had not even considered that perspective um okay, yeah, how do, or do we feel like we're getting closer to an actual opinion about the movie?
2: <laughs> I I do think that yeah, I mean I do think that helps with the whole we believe Harry's eyes, we believe Harry's cl- like clue finding because then you throw that in with Paula who I think is a criminal or doesn't she she like she doesn't mind stealing a thing or two, right? Mm and the way that that is added in at the end of the movie it's like oh by the way we were stealing stuff (laughs) no big deal and then uh, she goes down to get it she puts it on a raft and what pops up but like the biggest Maltese Falcon you have ever seen (laughs) which was also going on under your nose the entire time Harry you had an actual Sam Spade case to solve these like (laughs) these missing things which is every goddamn detective's dream and you didn't even know about that part either (laughs) damn it
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think she's definitely a detective. But that that makes if the plot hole is why would they float near where the body was? It does seem Paula has a conscience because she pretty quickly is like, wait, Tom's going too far, and goes with Harry because he no longer has the gun, and she's like, let's just go. I, I do think most of me thought she took them there on purpose to like so that it would be. She's revealed. like, this is too much, man. I wanted to train dolphins to live in people's pools. This is crazy now. And there's like three murders after that, so she yeah. was def- she would definitely
1: be right about that. Part of what I like about the movie is that like a lot of this stuff is not told. Like I don't know if that there's an answer for a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff, and I think that's what makes the movie kind of compelling: is that you have to decide on what you think reality might be. The movie won't hold your hand and say, "No, this is exactly what happened. Don't worry about it." And, for and James Woods to-, to be innocent means we have no idea what's going on.
3: Like, yeah, because look at that face. Look at him. <laughs> that is guilt. Uh, I, going back to the. Uh, the this movie won't hold your hand going back to gender because earlier Greg you said there's no paragon of virtue of woman there's none of men too I think that's kind of the point is like we all no, have big... shades of dirtbag
1: oh I di- I kind of disagree with that I th- I think that I think that uh, Harry Mosby is supposed to be kind of like a perfect man out of the time of perfect men so that there's no place anymore no he's a for fuck the up paragons, and a dummy for the paragons <laughs> of masculinity.
3: I, I I also think like for for seventy five for infidelity like Harry kind of takes his wife to task, but I think movies normally take uh, infidelity of a woman way harder on the woman than this one. Like the, that's she's the seventies of- thing too, though. Free the love, 70s
1: were, The seventies got really weird about like marriage as an institution, mm-hmm. and but you, people I think this is what it was. I think people still married way too young, and then yeah. their answer to that was not to marry way too young but to marry way too young and then just like to fuck around uh but if you read like the The books in the 70s and stuff like you know open marriages and 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 dalliances nobody knew how to do it in a way that was like ethical but Mm -hmm. i think that uh, you know people were stepping out on each other
2: or the 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 way they do it is like hey i was thinking about having an open relationship and you know the other person's like hmm can okay and then the other person's like you said it you said okay
1: bye (laughs) i'm gonna go do whatever i want starting when starting five years ago
3: (laughs) you said okay now so that means everything i've done is totally cool
0: (laughs) i think that i think that this conversation kind of has a lot to do with um where we think or the answer to these questions kind of comes from where we think arthur penn's coming from um how in control he is what he's trying to comment on um so let's take a quick break and when we're back let's dive into Penn's style
1: <laughs> well that is very very funny or very sad and perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic and perhaps we have something to think about but in any event i'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to so why not check us out on the social media you can go to instagram or twitter And find us at your pop filter. Email contacts at your pop filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. the common man,
0: much of Night Moves, including its horrible Ryan-level pun of a title, comes off (laughs) as deeply corny. Does the movie have a certain stylized feel, particularly when it comes to editing? Uh, What is director Penn trying to do here? What does it say about cinema in 1975? Uh, Ryan. How are you feeling about Night Moves? I know, in general, you you feel like it seems like you understand this piece a little bit better than than maybe the rest of us.
2: I actually did look this up. Oh, you did? Uh, I wanted to know what Arthur Penn was thinking, um, and honestly, like uh, him, his like past movies is sort of what filled me in on this movie. I can't remember if I already talked about this, but uh, if you look at his his stable of movies, his Penn, pen, right? if you will. Um. Yeah, that's that's sort of what helped me break down who Harry is because he basically de- like, just, just totally destroyed what we thought of as a male gangster and as a male Western star in Bonnie and Clyde and Little Big Man. And so that's clearly what he's doing here. But the thing I looked up was the editing because it's, especially in like the first third, it's crazy. It's almost bad and... The overlapping is, I guess, altmanesque because we love throwing out that word. And this is where the psychological, not thriller, but I think examination that Greg said comes in is he wanted to drop us into... Give us little keys that we were being dropped into Harry's mind and not as a character in Harry's life. But now we're, we're him now. I mean, the boat at the end is yeah. the point of view. And so some of the things he does are a little more obvious than others. But the disjointed sort of smash cuts and the overlapping dialogue was supposed to get us there to me it came off as disorienting in a negative way but then when you hear that it was on purpose I guess no, you like it more I don't know
3: I think things can be on purpose and not <laughs> super well yeah it did read like oh because he's been directing forever at this point he he is not uh, new Hollywood it does feel like oh the kids are doing these tricks because Bonnie and Clyde doesn't have that like, overlapping dialogue
2: Bonnie Clyde is the official okay. start of New well, Hollywood. Well, he's just
3: older than yeah. them, and I'm ageist. Uh, but it does feel <laughs> like that that part of it felt like, well, the kids are doing this, and uh, I guess I'll fucking do that too. Is this what you want? And it didn't... Knowing he did it on purpose didn't make me go, ah, good move, man. Now it works. I think <laughs> it's...
2: We just watched a John Huston movie, though, who was also from Arthur Penn's time, and we talked a lot about how he was not able to adapt Penn does to New better, Hollywood. For sure. He was not able to... He was not able to deconstruct these these manly men. He he sort of fell in love, like he couldn't get away from how awesome it is to be a dashing handsome white male. You know,
1: and
3: I hear I think, it rules. I mean we're not allowed to say not it, not it but. but it's also <laughs> life's pretty easy. It's not
1: as good as it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> you you used to come with like a lot of extra stuff. I I think Penn does an incredible
2: job in his trilogy. And this is the least known and probably the least good of the trilogy.
1: Guy
0: i'm sorry greg did you interrupt yeah i derailed Ryan? the whole podcast
1: just to make a <laughs> oh pen and teller, i thought
3: you were just doing an example of <laughs> and dialogue <it> overlapping
0: <laughs> yes altman-esque
1: but you know I-, I thought it was kind of one of the ways in which he sneaks up on you uh is you you spend a lot of this movie being like what's your deal man what are we doing here what's the point of all this like where are we going with this i'm not totally comfortable and i think the the uh sort of weird direction is how he helps achieve that it gets a little bit tauter near the end and it becomes more suddenly like this movie just in the last i would say 20 minutes does become a thriller briefly uh but it just it shifts into that right at the Mm -hmm. end rather than always being that way from the beginning
2: especially the whole turn around there's a (laughs) plane coming
1: it's going like like i mean and you've got scuba (laughs) gear just you could just dip down (laughs) i
0: know could she really not hear
1: (laughs) i'm guessing ryan is it so dumb to even say this but that was just like he wanted to do his own north by northwest and so i mean you got those vibes too so did i yeah right because plane chasing down a character in the foreground
2: the first time we meet the director with the broken arm the movie that they're filming is just it's south by southwest (laughs) or something like it looks exactly like it you know and so, or like maybe one of those. Because uh, I got asylum Bonnie and Clyde knockoffs. vibes
1: from that one. Yeah. I almost felt like he was kind of making, like he was almost acting like that. That was Bonnie and Clyde.
2: And Bonnie and Clyde does have crazy editing in parts. You know, I feel like I feel like Night Moves does it when there's nothing going on, and Bonnie and Clyde does it when there's a ton going on, and so that's the major difference.
0: So, the I mean. When we think about all of this, I I can't escape the fact that this movie is called Night Moves. Um, <laughs> yeah, I find it uh, very distracting in terms pretty of upsetting, comedy, and pretty upsetting. Pretty uh, upsetting. I mean, obviously, it's a it seems to be a play on Night Moves, as in like a chess knight. Uh, but spelled different. But spelled different, and we need to respect and acknowledge that. Does the film use things like chess? Uh, it does do in a they couple make effective, scenes. Me- yeah. Do, do, you, do we think it's an effective metaphor or is it corny? Do we think that he succeeded in what he was trying to do with it?
4: Um, if he was trying to do something with it, I didn't pick up on it personally. I mean, you, we see him play chess once in his car and I was like, what are you doing? No one does that. And I think it's less. <laughs> the, you're
2: you're being a nerd right now. I all think right, it's Harry. less
4: the it's less the chess
1: and more his attitude towards it. Because if you if you think of what he says in that scene where he talks about the knight moves, uh, he's like <laughs> the all K'nig- the moves yeah. were there and he just like he didn't know what to do. So when you watch this movie again, thinking of him saying that about the last three three moves uh... of this chess match, and you realize how often he's standing there and someone is being so obvious about what's going on and he just doesn't see it. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the scene where. Uh, Melanie Griffith, it, where uh, delhi is so upset, yeah. and uh, the other and the Tom and uh, Penny are acting or Paula are acting or, so weird, mm-hmm. and or he doesn't the, see what's going on there. The fucking it, time where his head accidentally hits uh-huh. the uh, exactly.
2: answering machine, and Delly yes. is, is like, "Oh, by the way, I was going to call Here's you." Here's the actual the
3: killer. <laughs> is. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't have time <laughs> to listen to that. I, I think it's
1: so knowing <laughs> that he's like caught up in the what could have been. I think is is. Even more important, than it,
3: it's that, game. and then the other thing he says about it, another time he's playing chess is, uh, I think it's his wife who says who's winning, and he says nobody one side's just losing slower than the other. Also, lets you know yeah. the attitude of the movie itself. Cold and War, Cold War, Cold, Cold War. War.
2: <laughs> <laughs> But then that's also why you cheat as a wife. Like if the camera was on her, she her would her <laughs> Like
0: okay,
1: I, you're a detective. I get it. Congrat. Wait to wait to have a good line. That... I almost wondered if there's an interpretation of this movie where it's like the women are just too sexed up and the guys don't want to, don't really aren't as interested in sex. And so they're like running around, like, you know, his his wife is cheating on him. Delhi is over-sexualized. The problem with Delhi's mom seems to be that like she was mm-hmm. over-sexualized. Um, I almost wondered if that was like supposed to be an angle, like that the this was the sort of the dark... Uh, aftermath of the sexual revolution. It, well, what's interesting is because mm. like
3: so many obviously throughout Hollywood, women have been uh, underused. But the camera doesn't linger. Even the, like the Delly's mom is flaunting it out there in her bathing suits, and the camera nor Harry is checking it out. Even when Deli strips, the camera's not like see. Like it's just yeah, <laughs> it's not I a know. Michael Bay movie. They
4: didn't give us any close ups, which I was like okay, at least okay. Didn't do that. I didn't know which way you were gonna <laughs> go. When Evan. She's I thought framed. you were like they
3: didn't give us a close up, which pissed me off. <laughs>
1: except when she's framed in the window at the the bottom of the ship but
3: that I think that was mostly for the reveal of like and here's it look you're distracted by a little butt and here's a dead body
2: (laughs) also almost like it's a movie about movies uh, where a lot of movies will do this with screens like TV screens or computer screens this one did it with windows in that all of the windows were obstructed by something where it was like that weird like 70s like, it looks mm-hmm. like prism You know, that's how yeah. all of the windows looked. Or uh, when Harry and Paula were finally relating, there was like three things that he had to pull up on the window yeah. in order to he- like actually hear each other. Because that's how they do their communication is, I just need a little bit of something between us. Because if there's not, that's too weird. That's too real. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to actually see things until it's through the glass bottom boat. And then look at how when Harry solves the case, Mm -hmm. it cuts to him looking at the bottom of that boat nine or ten times (laughs) as the guy sinks to the bottom of the ocean.
4: Honestly, I think that was one of my favorite shots, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
2: And yeah, instead of just like going right to credits once you figure out who's in the plane... We just have to sit there and watch both of them react. <laughs> we have to watch this guy see his friend drown, and then the friend, the director, just be like, no, 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 it's me. Please help me. Could you please help me get out of here?
1: Sorry about before where I shot at you. That was I know. I'm stuff. so angry right now.
0: <laughs> um, I don't know if we have landed <laughs> on an opinion. Yet again, but I do know that I'm ready to start handing out some awards. How are people feeling about that? Let's do it. Let's do it. I love it. Love it. Let's take a quick break. And when we're back, it's award season. And it's now time for a couple awards. Welcome back, guys. We're going to start with cringiest moment. Um, Ryan, you offer some big cringes. You're an expert. (laughs) Tell us. Thank you so much for yeah, that. Yeah, tell us Tell us. what's the cringiest moment.
2: I think that, uh, you know, we talk about uh, uh, Draper Theory a lot on the show, and Draper Theory is, uh, I'm going to make sure that we make sure everybody knows Don Draper is not a racist in the first episode, so then we can do whatever we want with him in the rest of the series. Um, and I sort of see Paula as that a little bit, you know, like we want to make sure that Mosby is not, he's a good guy all around, right? I and mean, everybody likes him. And when Deli's in the room, he goes for Paula over and over again, like, cause that's just the kind of guy Harry is. Now, I think the one big breakdown for Harry, and it may be because it's a 1975 movie, or it may be because um, this is like Harry really breaking down. And so the real him comes out and he's not such a nice guy. But the scene that's, that stood out is when he calls. Uh, Nancy's friend Charles out you know uh, Charles takes Nancy to the movies and then as like this beard boyfriend and then passes him passes her over to uh, the guy with the cane and then starts throwing out slurs that he just doesn't do in the rest of the movie with anything Hmm. and so uh, there was no other he says when are we going to
1: go bowling again yeah (laughs) I guess Got him, I guess. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: I thought they just had that, a nice time bowling one time. I
3: think I
2: misread that scene. <laughs> oh no, it's not that. It's when they're in the kitchen and he's screaming. You know, like you know, why did you let that person take you to the movies? Or you're using this person as a beard? And so he that he throws some slurs out there. Bowling, I don't think, is a slur. But uh, in that kitchen scene, he goes off and he he. I think he works really hard to not be a dick bag, like literally all of the other dudes that he knows. And then he just he messes it up in this one scene.
0: Yeah, men offer the largest cringes um, in that <laughs> the, the, the kind of sort of the ultimate cringe. Uh, Greg, what about you? I
1: do think he's shitty that guy when he asks him if he wants to go bowling because his response right away is like, "Oh, you think that's pretty cute, don't you?" Uh, and I think that on, there might be a less generous way of looking at this movie that draws a connection between its views of homosexuality and its views of just like having sex with underage women. But that's not what I'm going to go with my cringe for. My cringe is going to be at the heart of this movie is the exploitation of this character, Deli. Uh, And then we see her naked a whole bunch. She's naked for a long time in this movie. And to accommodate that, they had to wait until Melanie Griffith turned 18. You're obviously being creepy if you have to shoot most of the movie and then wait until she turns 18 and then come back. I didn't know that. Yeah, And get her naked. They started Um,
0: filming this two months after her 16th birthday. And then they did pick up shots of her naked when she turned 18. And then you just splice them
1: in. And then, so oftentimes there's these movies that are about, you know, uh, women being sexually exploited. And then at the very heart of the artifact of the movie itself, there's the sexual exploitation that it seems to be criticizing. And so this sort of weird thing where you take her body when she's 18 and then you splice it into things that she did when she was 16... Guys, that's creepy. That's a uh, creepy cringy uh, thing to yeah. do.
2: I mean, the argument is that it's all shot in such a way where like you're you're obviously not supposed to be titillated. And I don't know if I can make that argument about the movie. I do think it's cool though that they found somebody who also had a mom that was a Hollywood star.
3: To keep it true to life. Yeah, another so, like, exploitative yeah. mom. She, she could pull
2: from that place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mike yeah, it
3: my mine was great because when I found that out, especially that some places really do they're like, and for some reason eighteen months passed and then they did reshoots. Nobody says sure why. I was like, I'm sure why and it's disgusting. Like it, it's weird that any of the critics would be like, Who knows this mystery?
0: That is that is trying to package something as a sixteen year old body. Uh-huh. I, that, I mean it is gross <laughs> yeah that, that, i think
3: that's definitely the cringiest especially because that's when i was like wait i know melanie, melanie griffith was his kid when she made this what the fuck is going on and looked yeah, it up and she read looks all of that. Like, I was like a no. kid she looks yeah. like
0: a kid a very pretty melanie griffith looking kid but a kid nonetheless evan and like mike oh.
2: said earlier there's so many ways to make girls look older and they just did not do any of yeah. them yeah to the, to the movie's credit. Yeah, I think, I think That's that was part of the it. point.
3: But
1: And like, um, uh, imagine if in that same scene where she's swimming naked for whatever reason, she's just wearing a bikini. Can't you achieve yeah. the same thing where you're like, you know, if, if the point seems to be don't sexualize her body, then it feels like you could make that or
3: without actually. You show it like in shadow because it's night. She throws the bikini bottom off. She jumps in and they're looking down. But we never have to see it until we see the dead body or something like There's. I'm not even a director, and I came up with that like that. Yeah, Arthur, that's a man. whole
0: new idea, just <laughs> poof out of the air. Evan, came a- oh <clears throat> yes, right. <Ryan>? Nothing. <laughs> Evan, you have an opinion.
4: I do. Um, for me, it's the the scene where he where we're first introduced to his wife, and uh, this is Harry, the Harry Mosby character. Uh, we're first introduced to his wife and she's like on the phone and he's like you know like going up behind her to like surprise her and then he like covers her eyes and i'm like oh that's kind of cute then he starts reaching down her shirt and i'm yeah. like oh no that's very much less cute yeah. <laughs> don't, <Took a> <laughs> don't ever do that please <laughs> <laughs> even if i knew who like the person was like instinctually I would still, if someone starts reaching down my shirt, I would instinctively do like one of those moves, like one of those wrestling moves where you like, like I do, I do like a suplex or something.
3: Throw him over the shoulder.
4: Exactly, I throw him over my shoulder. Like, nah. <laughs> um,
0: i i think I think Greg and Mike just are right, right? Like, you know, it it, it just is the 16, 18 year old thing, but. Well, good good uh runners-up I think um i'm i'm interested in what you guys think the director's signature um was and, and and where we saw it um let's start with let's go back let's do let's snake Evan how are you
4: I think uh the main thing that I noticed was he shot a lot of scenes at night. <laughs> night moves, get it? Moves. Um, <laughs> night movies. <laughs> yeah, he shot a lot of scenes at night with with very like I think he had like minimal lighting uh to kind of like light the scenes up so just like everything looked very dark, you couldn't really see shit, <laughs> which I think was kind of like the point. Um, you know, there's just Perry like Harry Mosby very... is
2: always in the dark. Like, yeah. I do. Oh, think yeah. Yeah. Literally and
4: figuratively ah, what? Nice. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's for me that was the signature. Just like shooting scenes in the dark and lots of harsh shadows.
0: Yeah, that's v- very neo very neo noir. Um Greg. Do you know what my favorite Neo Noir is? What is your favorite Neo Noir, Ryan? The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I I thought of that earlier, earlier as well. Is uh, the Matrix and chose a Neo Noir it? film? <laughs> um what about you greg
1: oh director moment so uh this is to me ultimately a very nihilistic text and that's kind of way i feel about bonnie and clyde as well and so just the final image
3: motherfucker greg always goes right before me oh really spinning
1: (laughs) in a circle Literally going nowhere, and Mosby has by solving this case, or as he says, I did not solve it; it just sort of crashed <laughs> in on me. It, like he's ruined everything, mm-hmm. uh, and the boat is just going around in a circle in the, in the open water, and everyone's uh, dead. That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And We just get that slow, like zoom out. Uh, to me, that was definitely the the moment. And we didn't even like
2: in typical seventy five fashion. We didn't even get to see him like pedaling to the shore mm-hmm. after they just killed no. the shark. Quipping. he just
1: sits on that boat.
3: It's oh, interesting. He yeah, dies. Like I mean. Head cannon is it,
1: dead it's hard not to think of it in jaws and think of what a difference that is between you know two guys making their way back to shore versus one guy just in a death boat going in a circle <laughs> yeah because jaws is about finding someone else right. and in night Moves you you, you literally can't. cannot you're it's all impossible. floating
3: in your own boat
1: oh and maybe that's someone else is another guy Mosby. have you ever thought of that
0: <laughs> that's what they did in jaws <laughs> mike it sounded like yeah Greg stole your answer
3: i'm not gonna say stole it. i'm not gonna say he hacked <laughs> in my google docs and read my notes and yeah. decided that's what he I should night
1: do night moved it away
0: from.
3: Uh, but yeah it's it's i i think so in this the boat is spinning and then the director's like just think i, it, I think that part is obvious but i think it's supposed to be because the rest of the movie is pretty obtuse so it's just like put it together what i'm saying and i think same thing bonnie and clyde ends with like it's that is silent except for i think some music and then you just see them bloodily and the camera's like spinning around them while they die and i think that the point is the same thing as like just think about what i'm saying you thought i was saying they might be heroes but now think about the movie so i think he really likes at the end be like i don't want to say throughout the movie what it's about but i'm going to fucking make you think about it before the credits hit
0: <laughs> Ryan do you agree with the majority No of course not
2: <laughs> uh, and he, and i mean he does say what the movie's about the whole movie i mean that chess scene that we were talking mm. about where you know, uh, pawns, that's what it, chess games start with because they come right at you. But we can't handle a knight where it comes at you from the side. What are these, Night knight moves? moves? Like, yeah, it's <laughs> all pawns there. Pawns come
1: at you pretty fast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you might be wondering. Uh, but no, I'm going to do... Uh, I want to do the editing and the scene overlapping, but to me, that's not really as much Arthur Penn as it is just like the style of the time that he maybe he was trying to emulate. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, based on this trilogy, it is you guys don't know shit about your hero worship, you know? And uh, I I think that this was, I think that Mosby comes out as a better person maybe than Clyde Barrow or the, all of the Western people that we meet in Little Big Man. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, like these guys are not, if they're not not heroic, then they're definitely not smart. You know, they're
1: definitely not as perfect as we think we are. I think that- You know who he is? He's Ned Stark. Like, yeah, you were you were honorable and upright the entire time. But in this world, what happens is the same thing that happens to everybody else, which is that it just all goes to Mm -hmm. shit. Right.
2: And some of it's your fault and some of it's not. But you have to deal with that. And that's just like our lives. Instead of watching these people who like have this ability to kick the butt of a shotgun that's on the ground, catch it perfectly and blow away the bad guys you know, like actually what we do is we just fall down. Like sometimes Mosby will be getting out of the car and he'll hit his head on the roof of the car.
1: Yeah. It's
0: like, fuck,
2: that's fuck. not what we see in normal movies, you know? Crap yeah. apples. So that's, I think the penniest thing about this movie.
0: And that kind of reminds me of the Safdie brothers and the way that they do neo-noir. It's very like, um, mm. or dog day afternoon, this like, dogged, you know, like, pers- dog day. day of afternoon, right? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Yo-y! laughs> But, like, and there's, like, the other
2: thing, too, is that there's repercussions for your idiocy, you know? Like, most of the characters in these movies just fly through perfection. And characters in these revisionist movies, like, they have to deal with all of the stupid stuff that they do. So, that's that's what my pick is.
0: <laughs> I, I like that pick. Um, I don't... I, I'm going to sit on this one. I don't know. I don't actually give points in this one, so it doesn't matter. Just to no. Yeah, just to Greg, only to Greg. Um, and for that reason, no, actually, Greg's been going first. Mike, I want you to have first pick for pound for pound for performance.
3: I, I think everybody is, I thought about this a lot because there's the obvious one, everybody is playing giant cartoonish archetypes, and so it'd be easy to think the main guy who's, why would I blank out on his name right now? Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, Royal Tenenbaum, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to give it to Paula because I think she also at first blush is doing like, I'm doing a noir archetype, but like, I think there's a lot of layers through her and the fact that at the end of the movie, I'm still not sure where she lands morally or what was her plan and what she was just rolling with the whole time. I think is because the actress, Jennifer Warren, Jennifer Warren. Thank you. Yeah. He fucked up, not just going,
1: not just being like, yeah. Let's keep going in the boat. Let's go down to Mexico. Yeah, yeah.
0: she's such a good actress. She made us think she was bald. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's... All right, you're right. The beanie. I'm giving it to the beanie. I still <laughs> yeah. kind of think she's bald.
0: Just say. for her, you know, I, I just feel like um, she she protests a little much. Um, yeah, if this, <laughs> if this is true protest. revisionist,
2: she she would have ripped off a full wig and then just had a beanie underneath yeah. and shaking it out. <laughs>
0: Um so uh, so yeah I I revise your answer to actually be Beanie is that correct Mike yeah, yes yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Evan what about you pound for pound performance
4: uh, I also have to give it to Paula I think that was that was my pick as well like coming out of the movie who made the biggest impression on me and who I, it was a tie between her and Gene Hackman because even while Gene Hackman was doing like questionable things, I still thought he was like super likable and uh like really like charismatic and stuff. but no, yeah, I'm gonna go with Paul as well
0: yeah she she also just looks so nineteen seventy five to me, yeah. right. And she definitely looks like a Florida person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Florida 1975, they nailed it.
1: <laughs> she's, been, she's like, I'm convalescing, I'm getting some sun. Like, <laughs> she, yeah, dude, you have been getting We, we sun. can see that, yeah.
0: <laughs> Ryan, what about you? Pound for pound.
2: I have to go with the obvious one, uh, Gene Hackman. Um, I can't believe how much of this movie we spend. on, uh, And it's like a time and a half through this movie that you spend thinking that like, oh, this is just Humphrey Bogart. This is just, you know, all of those other people from before, but and in the long goodbye, I think Elliot Gould does something different where he's like, oh, this ain't your typical detective story. This is revisionist almost right away. Right away, like, he yeah. gives it all up right away. And how Gene Hackman walks this line of like, well, he's got quips. He can, if if the moment calls, if the moment strikes, he can grab onto a pole and swing around and kick a guy into the yeah, water, dude, which is. <laughs> That's that's pretty Gene Hackman. He's to me. got that on, track. <laughs> uh, but he still can't. He still like when it's an emotional moment, he'll break into his wife's lover's house and sit on the couch. And the wife's lover's like, "What are you doing?" And Gene Hackman would be like, "Man, I don't know.
4: <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> this is crazy."
2: Uh, for him to do all of that as like this uh, uh, sort of beacon of masculinity, but also a like Mad Magazine version of masculinity, all at the same time, I think was very impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a, a strong choice as well. Greg, where are you landing? We don't see this in movies anymore, but in like the seventies and eighties,
1: the, the credit card to get the door open, that was like in every single movie. Like anytime you had to get into a, a room, it was just like, I oh, just use your credit card and get the door. <laughs> I'm also gonna give it to Gene Hackman, who does that move along with many other night moves yes. in this movie. God. Uh just it it seems like uh, more than anything else, it's an examination of this character of Harry Mosby. And I think the Hackman brings a lot of, a lot of depth to it and a lot of interest there. It's like the whole time he's
2: just wearing this, like just this armor, you know, like he's a knight and this movie (laughs) is his knight moves. Yes. Uh, this frizzy,
1: frizzy Brown armor.
2: I also want a special shout out, Kate though, to Anthony Costello who played Marv Elman, who, when you say that, quickly as Marvel Man um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: the tall guy in the bar who could just say anything uh, that would make you fucking your skin crawl and then he just go
1: <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: oh my god was I glad that was the guy who Whose eyes were getting eaten by face. Yeah. <laughs> I had an well idea cast. for my
1: character. <laughs> I, was, I was assuming, what if my character, every time he said something, sort of went like, he,
3: that'll be my, sort of like an American feel to that, right? <laughs> sort of like
2: half
0: man, half donkey, yes? <laughs> uh, okay, uh, yeah, I'm going with Gene Hackman, but I, I appreciate that shout out um, profoundly. When we come back, we'll do our final thoughts and maybe some plugs. Okay, I feel like we've actually come pretty close to an opinion. I I I think we're getting. It's about time to to at least see what we're cooking with. Um, Ryan, you I, still like this movie? You like? I it more? still like you this like movie it less. <laughs> Some of those
2: awards made me hate it, but no, I, it turns out that I actually like it. I do like. For the people who are still a little on the fence, I know it's a big ask to say, "Hey, this movie that you just watched a couple days ago, watch it again." But if Hopefully that this podcast, like being on the podcast, at least struck the mood for you of like, you know what, I would watch that again. And I think it'll be an entirely different movie with a lot of the same problems. You know, like there is a lot of 75 badness as far as how some characters are treated. Um, There are some structure problems. There are some storytelling problems. But I think that giving this movie another chance will make you ask yourself, was this... Is this bad? Like, is this decision bad, or was this on purpose to make a point—a greater point about storytelling and dudes? And I know we're so the two things that we're most tired of hearing about are stories and dudes. But <laughs> um, I do think—I I don't know if this, like, this is a big regret that it's not on the bracket, that it's not one of the elite eight. But I'm pretty close, dude. I think this movie is good.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this isn't on the bracket, but you know, if it were, Greg. How do you think it would fare?
1: I I don't think uh it would be like a slam dunk. Uh, I don't think that that um it would necessarily be picked to win nor would it be bounced right away. But I I think I like the movie and I liked talking about it. It's interesting. There's a lot there. There's a lot to sort of think about and i like the way you can't quite totally wrap your arms around it i don't think ultimately you can say definitively what happens or or what characters motivations are and there's something pleasing about that um there's still a lot about it that makes me cringe and i don't know if i like am enamored of the movie but i'm I'm glad i watched it a couple times and i'm glad i got a chance to figure out what it was all about because it did it did offer a lot
2: also kate real quick it is eligible for moody awards and i think that gene hackman is right in there and oh, yeah. we yeah. also have best musical moment, and when Tom sees that his stepdaughter has been freaked out is going to have nightmares is you know has gone through a traumatic experience, but Paula turns on the radio and starts dancing, Tom also dancing with her, mm-hmm. the two of them in that room that's got to be one of the best musical moments right
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i I mean they're yeah they're absolutely very charming scene, Mike, what do you think
3: i Noirs just so up my butt. Like, I, I love it. And then the whole time I was like, I think this movie might be boring, but I'm loving it. So I do like having this conversation because it opened it up because there was stuff going on. And I, I do love the ending where at, I love it as part of the genre, but so many noirs ended like, and it was all connected. and This means this. And you're like, oh, I didn't see it. And this one, they did it. And I went, what? And that's <laughs> that that's the point I really like is because they're like, well, we're going to play with the the genre pieces. But we're also going to be like, see how that's kind of dumb. <laughs> like <laughs> we don't care, you don't care. Let's move on. That's not what but the movie's about. There's not even that like uh,
2: police station scene at the end of *Usual Suspects*, where yeah. he connects it all through like a clip show. Because no. those clips aren't there. Harry didn't see that, so we can't piece it together.
3: It's still just like so. The statues, like I, w- I will be muttering <laughs> about that to myself. Like what their actual plan was the- <laughs> forever. I'm like, why are they jumping from one coast to the other? Why do you? They're gonna uh, sell that art, man. And, uh, so often movies that are like, you're not supposed to get it. I feel like they think they're smarter than me. And this one's yeah. like, I don't know. I might be dumber. We're all just having fun making a movie here. Let's think about some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Evan, I know that you're not a part of the, uh, the actual final bracket in the same way that I'm not, but has your, has your opinion of the film changed at all over the past hour? Mm.
4: No, not really. I still, um, I feel like, I feel the same way about it that I did at the beginning. I, I liked it for all the, for all the things it was trying to say about the genre. Um, I would, I personally would not watch it again. Um, I would, however, I would like to, I would like to show it to my friend who is, also a director just to like see what he thinks mm-hmm. um but that i think that's the only context in which i would watch it again is to show it to somebody else to see what they think
0: yeah do you think that it's worth showing someone else
4: it's worth showing to people who will have something to say about it I agree yeah. with that. I think <laughs> I don't think really this is fair. like a,
2: a a movie that you can just give to anybody. You know, like no, I, no, I no,
4: like confident. I I wouldn't give this to like my to I I again. I said I would only show this to my friend who's like I know he's a director and I know he yeah. does like movie stuff for a living. But to one of just like my my other friends, we'd probably just be like cringing at the <laughs> 70s ness of it all uh, and, and yeah, like, women. <laughs> Not wearing bras for some reason.
2: That that's the thing is that the Long Goodbye and Chinatown and Night Moves were all marketed as you know just regular old detective movies, just mysteries, psychological thrillers. And really, Chinatown is the only one who that succeeds on that level. The other two, like if you're not a movie person, like I just I, I think that they're gonna be boring. You know, they're gonna be weird and boring, and they're not gonna work.
0: Yeah true of so many movies. True. (laughs) They fare better in a movie lover's hands. (laughs) Like Ace Ventura, Pet tattoo. Yes, truly, for for those who know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Before we head out, um, Evan, we'd love to hear what you're working on, and if you have anything you'd like to plug.
4: Oh, yes. I have my own podcast that I do. It's called They Were Good Friends, and you can find it on Spotify, and it's just me and my friend west talking about queer stuff in media um i'm editing episode four right now and we just talk about uh steven universe which is a cartoon that started when i was in high school and debating whether it's like actually good representation or not especially for a kids Mm. show
0: oh cool i love steven universe I'll be honest, I I hope they get a good grade. I hope they get a good grade.
4: Yes. (laughs) Spoiler, it does. Okay.
0: (laughs) Um, Pop Filter family, tell us a little bit about what we need to know.
3: We've had all our annoying commercials in
1: here.
0: No, I have a new annoying commercial. Oh, okay, great. Our
3: newest show is called Doing Bits, a Love Island podcast. My wife and I are going uh, week by week. Six episodes of Love Island a week
4: and breaking it down. Oh, that's very fun. It's People love Spotify. that show. That's under- I yeah. can yeah. hear the theme music in my head. Yeah. yeah. Right. And Shady
3: Monk gave us a dope theme song that's, uh, I'm not going to say a ripoff because he's a good musician, but an ode to the Love Island theme song.
0: Yes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I think
3: this is soon to be our
1: mo- our most popular show. Uh, that's all I've I'm going to be totally fine with that, Greg.
3: Yeah, that's going to be
1: very challenging.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. I love that. I'm very excited to consume it. My uh my podcast is called Movies I'd Like to Fix. I I co-host it with our dear friend Tompkins. And uh yeah, we go season by season, mini genre by niche subgenre um and pick the best of each of these um subgenres. And you see guys what they do right, see what take- they don't.
3: Take the best parts of each of them and make your own. I just listened yes. to the season finale and it, uh, yes. I'd say it's worth a listen, friends. It is, would you? Bush shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking bonkers. <laughs> that that be movie has everything in it. We yeah. talk about
1: movies. For a living, Kate. And it sounds like <laughs> the movie that you and Tom put together is going to be the blockbuster of all
0: blockbusters. Yeah, we're excited to get it in development. Um, <laughs> it's kind of stalled at the moment. but Oh, you know, how any, unfortunate. What yeah, like we'll see. You it's guys in between did, production houses. Script <laughs>
3: notes, they like lord over like, oh, we're experts and here's how you do it. But well, you guys, you talk about them and then very uh, subtly break down the 11 rules of screenwriting. And I did <laughs> appreciate that.
0: <laughs> yes, thank you very much, Um you'll find along the way actually a lot for you to be able to learn for yourself um, <laughs> and that's wonderful it's uh, I, I love my podcast and I think you will too movies I'd like to fix um, and on that note thanks for listening guys and we'll see you for the next 1975 movie Bye-bye. bye 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 bye